2: Hello, all you monsters out there, and welcome to our coverage of The Witcher Season 2 on Post Show Recaps. My name is Mike Bloom here to enter an obstacle course to navigate it and hopefully find my way to the end without missing the final platform. Of course, I'm speaking to someone who has navigated this obstacle course many times in her life, is a master of many things, uh, including dexterity, as it were, and The Witcher... It is my co-host for this, and my lovely wife, Angela Bloom. Hi, Hi. Angela.
1: Hi. I am not a master of dexterity. I mean, I guess I'm better than you, but I'm no ninja warrior princess. Well,
2: that's the thing. In the kingdom of the blind, right, the one-eyed man is king. So I think from that capacity, in the Bloom household, I think you... I'm a gymnast, basically. You outnumber both myself and our two-year-old son. I
1: don't know. He's pretty limber.
2: Yeah, I don't know. You're a regular Suni Lee, by comparison.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: So here we are, talking about episode three of The Witcher, what is lost? Is a lost. lost. Uh, I mean, it's a great question. <laughs> they concerning... say it a
1: lot. What is lost is lost. Yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> they they don't finish the sentence, but it's sort of implied. Uh, not just an open-ended question of what is lost, considering that the show has not existed at this point or in this realm. Maybe that's one of the spheres, is uh, a world where lost existed. And Oh, my God. <laughs> I talked about it for eight hours i am so
1: day. tired of hearing about loss i'm ready to burn our dvd set no
2: i looked over at it and i went oh that was a present on my 21st birthday yeah it was on my 21st birthday That was really
1: because i remember you having it in college
2: no so it well yeah because my 21st birthday was in like your senior year yeah uh yeah. so that's when the it came out i think it came out like a few days either before or after it so yeah i'm admiring it in the corner of our room Probably trying to covet it as well before my wife burns it down. Are you using that chaos magic? Yeah. That's not allowed. Fire magic isn't allowed. Chaos magic is magic. Sorry, fire magic <laughs> is not allowed. Don't make me alert stregabor. Oh God, Strega- I will on you,
1: stregabor with a B O R E.
2: I mean, I don't think he's less of a bore and more like a I don't know Strega racist as it <laughs> he were. Sucks. As he sucks. He sucks. Yeah, freaking Stregobor comes out comes back. This episode brings back Aratuza. Uh, the Brotherhood makes its return. I will say. Of the three episodes so far, this is probably my least
1: favorite. It's a little slow. It's a little slow, and nothing really happens, I will say. I mean, from my perspective, I think that the stuff with Siri and Geralt, like, I remember it being more significant, but then rewatching it, I was just like, oh, it's just kind of like she does an obstacle course twice, and the last time he's like yeah no I will train you
2: yeah and that's the thing is that obviously we know what's coming up again we have watched the entire season yeah and this is a big setup and we're gonna have a section at the end as we always do of that sort of talks about this episode in the grand spectrum of the season but yeah I mean left things on a big note in last episode right between Siri and Geralt surviving this weird Eskaleshi mm-hmm. hybrid attack and then also Siri saying Okay, listen. I, I need you to teach me your ways, and it ended with that, you know, shot of her trying to follow his sword motions. Yeah. And so this episode continues on that, as well as Yennefer attempting to get her groove back, uh, having lost her magic, or at but, least get back to her roots. Yeah, at least since the Battle of Sodden, you know, she's a very lost individual. What is lost? Who is lost? More so in this mm-hmm. case with Yennefer, and so her sleeves. Uh, yeah, I will also say, uh, <laughs> obviously, her outfits pale in comparison to. Her like Lainey Briggs uh after makeover look from season one.
1: Yeah. Um, I love her lounging around
2: Eritu so yeah, lot. Yeah, her her casual wear that she wears is <laughs> absurd. It. I love like the slinkiness of she's the She's not world even wearing a sleeve. top.
1: Like she's just like it's like so it can't be comfortable, but you, I guess uh, maybe it that's
2: is. why Stregobor was like so ticked off at her because he's just like super conservative. No, was, I think like, he oh, just she's showing too much skin. No, he
1: just likes power. He's the he's a jealous little power hungry loser
2: (laughs) that's the best way to describe stregobor is a loser so we're going to get into that uh Siri continues her training. The mystery of these monsters—I would not say get solved, but I guess continues no, to get
1: started mostly. Yeah, <laughs>
2: continues to deepen, I would say. But of course, before we get deeper into The Witcher, of course, I'm going to keep suggesting this, beating this drum, if you will. Uh, if you're not subscribed to our Witcher only podcast feed, please do that. poshowrecapscom slash witcherpod While you're there, leave a nice rating and review. If you don't, we're going to send our weird mutant Kikamora out to rip you in half. Uh, just as a friendly sort of recommendation. The leshy. Yeah, well, there's the there's the leshy, and then there was the kickamore that ripped the leshy in half.
1: I think that was the leshy.
2: What? No, there was another monster that ripped the leshy in <sighs> anyway, half. Anyway,
1: continue your
2: your situation. <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, as well as we're accepting some feedback as well from both a spoiler-free and spoiler-filled perspective. I'll read those throughout the podcast. You have a couple ways to do that. You can write into Mike at PostShowRecaps.com, as well as if you are a patron at the $10 level in the PostShowRecaps Discord, uh, there's a special channel for The Witcher. And so there's been a lot of talk going on there uh, amongst people who have watched the the series to varying degrees. So if you want to have a good conversation with fellow Witcher heads, I'm not sure what the name is for Witcher fans. <laughs> um, witchers? Yeah, like, I don't know. Witcherers. <laughs> Witcherers. Uh, if you want to have a conversation with that, that's another incentive to become a patron of Post Show Recaps. We are entering a new year. The first of every month is always a good time to become a patron if you have the means to do so. Because uh, once, you know, the first of the month rolls around, that's when the auto-renew happens. And so you really do get your bang for your buck from that perspective. As a little ditty we will tell you later on in this podcast... Toss a coin to Patreon if you're able to patreon.com/slash/post-show-recaps. So, all that being said, let's get. I into... just want to
1: clarify before we get to it Please. later. It's not a Kikamura; it's a new monster.
2: Okay. Called
1: a Mirapod.
2: Mirapod. Okay. Like a
1: centipede but like with a monster. It's a skull of a wolf ramhorn segmented centipede body and a lot of eyes.
2: Interesting. Yeah, cuz I do believe It's a
1: new monster on the continent.
2: But I do believe in a future episode they call it a Kikamora for whatever reason. Maybe that
1: maybe it's different.
2: it, it is different cuz I think that's another spider-like creature. Not to spoil again the rest of the season too much, but I No, do these believe...
1: are all like mutated versions of existing creatures. So Mirapod is what it's called? Mir my- myriapod
2: myriapod like a myriad of. i knew it wasn't
1: a Kikamura.
2: well yeah because i mean they're both insect-like creatures I this one was like
1: gross yeah this
2: one looked it looked like for your for all you pokemon heads out there it looks like the pokemon <laughs> Kabutops.
1: uh so the two people listening? hey
2: there might be listen the the witcher is all about monsters pokemon literally translates to pocket monsters there might be some common ground there okay So, for all of you out there, just put that in your mind's eye. But yeah, that thing is freaky. We're gonna get into that, but first we gotta present the straw man argument, Mm -hmm. as in the argument that Siri is having with the straw man.
1: So yeah, so we start the episode with her like doing like parries and like like basically sword exercises with like a straw dummy. Yeah, stand-in
2: thing. Basically, she's training. She started at the the very last seconds of the previous episode, and now Geralt is sort of watching her become a beginner in a manner of speaking. Well,
1: no, so Geralt is sitting there like repairing his armor, and like she's going through these, for lack of a better term, like routines.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, much the, like another yeah. uh, Netflix series, the OA, they went through the motion, oh, or whatever my it's God. called. It's the yeah, 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 the, the movements. The movements. Yeah. So she's
1: going through the the movements. Um, but yeah, she's she's doing like training and. She's getting frustrated because she can't do this one move where she, like, throws the sword and catches it. And he's yeah. just like, that's enough for today. Like, you're tired.
2: And that's that tough thing, too, right? From, like, a coach or even a parent perspective of, I can tell you're tired. It's like, but I'm not tired. Yeah.
1: No, I think the thing here is also Siri expects because she's everything. I don't want to say everything's been handed to her, her whole life. But, like, mm-hmm. she expects to, I mean, like...
2: certainly the witchers think that's the case.
1: <laughs> yeah. but And I don't think that's the case with her sort of mentality wise but I do think she expects as a preteen would expect to get things on the first try like Mm -hmm. she is not one to give up by any means and she has like a very strong will but she also is a preteen <laughs> yeah. and she's like, God damn it. Why can't I just do it?
2: I like her citing Sir Laszlo. Remember Sir Laszlo? Uh, yeah. Briefly. We saw him. Yeah. He showed up in the first episode. Clearly maybe, he had an influence on her. <laughs> well, he was the one to pull her out of knuckle bones. I do think it was implied in that episode. Like I was shocked when he got killed off in the, the very first episode of the series. Cause he sort of seemed to he's be her like, personal
1: guard. I think
2: I think so. Or maybe like head of the, of the Queens guard or, or something. Yeah, and clearly
1: he's been like showing her stuff. And, yeah.
2: Like, he, she quotes him anything less than perfect means death. Uh, that has been the source of my anxiety for the past 30 years, personally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anything less than perfect means death? I mean, that was my
2: catastrophizing throughout you most, do it of my, most of my public schooling. So yes. And
1: you do it still.
2: But we should mention here that Siri has a moment right out right out of that so raven uh, (laughs) yeah suddenly has a flash a vision uh it's been a while since yeah she's just
1: standing there and all of a sudden she just like stops and she sees like in this like red the way they cinematography wise do Mm -hmm. it is like this sort of like flashing red yeah like overlay to what she's seeing
2: yeah but Um, it's basically her pov as she's being pulled through a snow a snowy forest yeah in the woods but we should also mention here, because, so we, we got this a little bit in season one, I feel like, where Siri mm-hmm. had these visions, right? Like, she uh, asked yeah. Geralt who Yennefer was, like, she saw him, she saw Yennefer at the Battle of Sodden. Yeah. But I feel like this more so confirms, and maybe I'm misremembering season one, but this more so confirms to me that, she can sort of see the future. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's having these, like, flash-forwards, almost, where she's, you know, can see what's happening in the future. I think there's other visions that she has, as well, and dreams, which are a little bit more like... Right, because
2: there was the infamous dream when she went to Broccoli Forest, right, where yeah, she was, like, yeah, in front just, of the giant Yeah, so I tree. think she has
1: some other dreams that are a little bit more, like, high-reaching, like, philosophical prophecy-type dreams, but these are just sort of like, hey, this is coming up. Get ready. Yeah,
2: exactly. So... I was also a bit surprised that we stayed in Care Morhen for this <laughs> and spoiler for the rest of the season we're going to spend a good amount of time in Care Morhen. I'm glad that we did because again the set is so freaking beautiful mm-hmm. and it's like a nice, you know, hub and means so much to characters like Geralt. But I was just so used to again the sort of stop and start nature of the first season where it seemed like we right. were in a different place every episode that Well, I that's
1: was... because every episode was like vignetted, you that's know, exactly like what the was, last yeah. wish, you know, where it was like Uh, This happens and then the next episode this happened you know so this is a typical serialized thing where it's like it was
2: serialized
1: we spend half of the episode one place and half of the episode another place bouncing back and forth so i don't get tired of carmorin because we're yeah. also in aertuza we're also in um zintra mm-hmm. you know we're in Zintra. our elven
2: listeners are not happy
1: yeah well and we're like just bouncing around so i don't mind it as much there's a lot of scenery but um
2: and also due to the fact that again we would assume that these witcher characters are important we like barely got to See people mm-hmm. like Cohen and Lambert last episode. We get to know them a bit more. Uh, they are sort of, I think, a bit ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could not really tell them apart in terms of personality. They both just seem like hard headed hecklers. Upstairs, yeah, they're especially. just like,
1: they're witchers and they're just kind of like the jokester ones, but they do, they. I think they like Siri, but they kind of pick on her like you would like a like a little kid, you know, yeah, like and they're teasing and, her. And
2: Siri's good at giving it back. We should also mention here, actually, let's talk about the Siri wardrobe. I love it. I mean, I've I really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, really I love like... her
1: Elsa hair. I love her corset. Yeah, the leather love... the leather
2: corset really does tie it all together, yeah, quite literally. It's Very
1: cool. It's very like what you imagine like. Katniss Everdeen should look like you know like it's
2: awesome because if her true transition is I'm not just this you know damsel this princess I want to be someone who fights and she doesn't care what she wears that's literally shedding it and taking on more uh, of a useful uh, well yeah when it comes to that makes sense
1: and that's why I think they have her in that white dress in the beginning to make her a little bit more princessy and then like it's a stark transition whereas in season one i do feel like she wasn't super princessy she wore that cloak a lot but she yeah. wore pants which was nice
2: yeah luckily um, she wasn't running through this like cold dark yeah luckily the day that she had to run away she was wearing pants <laughs> it was that knuckle bones that's yeah. what it, it always comes back to knucklebones. so while you say that conan lambert you know definitely teased siri i think here there still is a bit of resentment it seems like Lambert in particular yeah Lambert for sure blames Geralt because since he brought Ciri and he feels like that's when like the the misfortune yeah came and out.
1: what he doesn't realize is that Eskel was always going to come back as Aleshi yeah. and he should be happy that Geralt was there to kill him because otherwise they'd all be dead
2: yeah but Lambert again just sees yeah he Eskil just sees Escol as Eskel, not he didn't see the final form yeah. and so he basically is pissed off at Geralt for killing his brother
1: yeah and I think that Cone's a little bit more like um a little bit more understanding of the situation, yeah. and obviously Vesemir was there, so he and he will see what he's doing.
2: So <laughs> speaking of Eskel, in a bit, <laughs> really interesting thing here: Geralt's walking through the hall, yeah. and he has his own, his own little flashback where he sees, and we see this sometimes happen, right, where like it plays mm-hmm. out in front of you, Uh where he and Eskel, I guess this is happening during one of their many winter yeah. breaks, and there was a, a a bit of you know a little bit of back and forth, and I think what some people thought Eskel was going to be coming into this season. We got to see a smidge of that. He was yeah. not a brooding angel. Well, a-hole. and I think this
1: also proves, like, what we were saying last episode where we say that, you know, the version of Eskel we got was the version that had already started to be taken over by the Lashie. So mm-hmm. he's, like, he's a bit poisoned in the mind. And so this version of Eskel is a little bit more lighthearted, is sort of a companion to Geralt, like a fun bro- and they're training, and, and Eska's like, I don't want to train anymore. My arms hurt. And Geralt's like, nah, we're going to train some more, because until all the monsters are gone, we don't have a job. So here we go.
2: The weird thing is uh, they talk- they recounted time that they got in trouble with Vesemir for mm-hmm. tying a string on a bumblebee's leg and a jug. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. I guess I, I guess for monster hunting like Vesemir is not into This is clearly torture. like a
1: book reference or a game reference and I don't know.
2: <laughs> I know. I mean, I think it's it's more so like uh, you know, when kids used to like yeah, pull, seems the, like pull the wings Easter off egg, of flies, though. like a little a little sociopathic in terms of mistreating animals.
1: Yeah, also Eskil's eyes here, we get a really good view of them. He has a like a kind of half teal, half white vibe to his mm-hmm. eyes which I like. Um, Whatever contacts they use there were cool.
2: Yeah, so there's also an interesting line here where, you know, uh, I think Eskel tells Geralt, you're just like him, and Geralt replies, we're all just like him. Which, again, really really implies, and this is going to inform Vesemir's real sorrow that he feels this Mm -hmm. entire episode is this feels... Different than what we got with Deglin yeah. and Vesemir in they're like of the a Wolf. true family. These guys, yeah, because it was just Vesemir and like these four guys. Yeah, uh, you know these four kids, and so Vesemir I think really did serve as more of a father figure to them than someone like. Well, Deglin there were other Vesemir. there
1: were other ones, but they dead now.
2: Yeah, and Vesemir was the one who like they saw firsthand, right? The one yes. that said, "Okay, you're with me now," and so. It really is a parent-child relationship, I think, more so than any other combination of, you know, witcher right. elders and witchers that have existed prior, just due to the circumstances.
1: Yeah. Faux show. Sure.
2: So, we see Vesemir is doing some CSI work on uh, eskal Vesemir right?
1: is ripping the bark off of Eskel's
2: decaying body. Luckily, no bugs in this one.
1: Yeah. So, I think that what he's trying to do here is he's trying to find a scientific—and he says it. He's like, I have— there has to be a scientific reason why this Leshy mutated. Like, there's... I don't... I don't understand. We need to find it out. And he's like... The reasoning he gives later is because that he needs to know. And he's just like, if this was your kid, wouldn't you go to the end of the world to figure out what happened?
2: If died in an unsolved murder, like... You it, want would to bother, find
1: out? it would bother you until you found
2: out. Exactly. Especially with considering that it's something that you felt you could stop, right? You got killed essentially by a monster. Your job is to hunt monsters.
1: Yeah, but I do think that this is a fool's errand because he's trying to figure out a scientific reason for a mutation. But I think that's kind of to show you what's going to happen later.
2: All right. So let's get into Aratuza. So let me just bring this up right here. Let's talk about Istrad cuz mm-hmm. we like barely spoke about this guy in our season 1 lead up. And it's because I don't know, I've never necessarily liked the character. No, and I
1: think he comes across in season 1 as a little bit of like a um He's, like, a,
3: he's a
2: weasel. In he's seasonally. a little bit
1: of a weasel. He's a little bit of somebody you like don't trust, but you also like you're meant to love Yennefer and she feels betrayed by him. So you right. feel betrayed by him. So
2: for people who don't remember, uh, Istred is one of the very first magical people that Yennefer meets. Uh, she accidentally makes a portal like back when she yeah. was, you know, uh, working amongst the hogs and she finds Istred. Uh, she ends up attending twos at the same time that he is under the tutelage of Stregobor and they carry yeah. on a relationship while both serving as spies, essentially, for their respective schools. Yeah. And then it basically, it all comes to a head, I think, in episode three, right, where... You yeah, know, the
1: big thing that he tells Stregobor that she feels betrayed by is that she's one quarter elf. Yes,
2: and then... Where
1: wh- she's never really said anything to him, to, to say that, like, was personal.
2: Right, it was more so, hey, this is what Stregobor yes. is doing. And then what really comes out, I think, what pushes Jennifer in a big direction, right, is Istrid saying... Well, even if you had gotten made over, like you would still be ugly. You still wouldn't be happy. But I think that certainly is the bit of the straw that breaks the camel's back to have Jennifer undergo that transformation that really defines who she is moving forward. Yeah, she's like, F you. I do what I want. But that being said, we we don't see that much of him actually after the fact. And it's because... Again, much like, you know, the the Aratusa students do their own sort of reticency. It seems like
1: he's a historian. Yeah, so his he, whole vibe, there's the sorcerers that become mages to royalty and they're typically women. Yes, because that's the kings want women, you know, um, and the queens probably want men. But like either way, he's in this program where he's a historian, like an archaeologist. Like, yeah, like he's
2: kind of like a little a more boring Indiana Jones.
1: Yeah, and so he has been away, you know, at digs and all of that yeah, sort I do believe, of stuff. I think
2: the, the the last time we see him in season one, I believe he is at like some sort of dig site. Bravely. Yeah,
1: yeah. So he's back here reporting on Nilfgaard
2: mm-hmm, to the Brotherhood, to the
1: Brotherhood, because he was there, sort of like scoping it out.
2: Right. Because now, let's remember the last time we left the Brotherhood. This was at Teyaa and Vilgefortz mm-hmm. and Yennefer kept saying no. Nilfgaard's going to attack something's yeah. gonna happen and you know you have Stregobor and Fringilla's uncle saying nah, I no I think it's okay <laughs> and turns out they were wrong and so now they're trying to basically figure out what exactly happened Istred, like you said had been not like undercover but had been sort of hanging around Nilf- yeah because he was I guess
1: he was kind of like in that area anyway and I think that as a historian he kind of has like that um the what? not like um what like an uh, emt on the field would have you know like a what is it called Like a
2: first responder yeah like a
1: first responder or you know somebody who's a medical person who you know is in war like you don't go after those people those people are kind of like neutral because they're you know they're they don't have anything to do with it so i think that he's one of those types of people you know yeah. allowed to be on a dig site in nofgard because it doesn't freaking matter to Fringilla if he's there
2: right but Stregobor and Artorius are trying to use this as a reasoning to say see clearly we knew nothing about this because mm-hmm. even this guy within Nilfgaard didn't tell us and
1: he's like no 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 that's not what I'm saying yeah.
2: <laughs> but the, the the call for the occasion is all the northern kings are coming mm-hmm. to Arachusa because they're doing a memorial for all the mages that were lost yes. at the battle of Sodden uh, and so they're trying to get some sort of answers. Uh, we find out a bit of what's happened off screen since episode one. Uh, to say I tried to mind F. Kahir and apparently it hasn't worked.
1: Yeah, well, she did that a little bit in the first episode and she just, I guess, she kept doing it again.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kahir clearly wasn't happy at the time, no. but clearly she's been trying and trying, probably to get the, the location of Yennefer yeah. out of him. But it seems like there's some sort of magical barrier in his head yeah uh, and here Stregobor is really pumping out his anti-elf agenda uh,
1: yeah he sucks he's just like oh you know Jennifer's um, one quarter elf like she, you know that's why she yeah. whatever
2: and, there's, and there, there's also this idea right of oh Nilfgaard's dangerous because it's in league with the elves
1: yeah exactly and elves he,
2: are always up to no good
1: exactly Um, And
2: speak of the devil, which is what Stregobor would call her, here comes Yennefer.
1: Yeah. She She, just, like, walks in. She's
2: like, hey. (laughs) So this is interesting because what it's mentioned in the very next scene, according to Tissaia, is that it has been about a month month, since Sodden. So I wonder, how does that play into... Like the timeline of episodes one and two with Yennefer, so
1: I think one and two with Yennefer come pretty soon after the Battle of Sol. Yeah, I
2: would imagine it. It only took a few days for her to be captured by Nilfgaard and then like make her way over to. Yeah, but the then Elven she station. says it
1: later in the episode that she spent. With the better part of a month trying like scoring the continent, trying to get her magic back. So it's stuff that we don't see, but like once she's met with the deathless mother, she's left them, Francesca and Frangilla. She spends that time between then and now, trying to find her magic, and then can't, so comes to Aretuza. Yeah, something I do... Which seems like she should have done it the opposite way.
2: Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess at this point... I mean, She also she...
1: doesn't know that they think she's dead. Like, I think she, she sort of, like, assumes that they've, they've moved on, and she's just kind of, like, out there, I don't know, dealing with her pain or something.
2: Yeah, it is interesting, though. I mean, to stregabor's point that he'll bring up later, she does not have the highest thoughts on Arutuza. Uh She is not as firmly anti-brotherhood as someone like Fringilla, but yeah. I would imagine that Artuza is not something a place a place that she has great memories associated with.
1: No, it's not like she's she's not like the other ones that they come back there immediately. They're they're that's their almost like their care more and you know, yeah. they're they're gonna come back for their alumni
2: reunions. But she's kind of like eh. Well, Tissaia is thrilled. If we're talking about parent-child relationships, she oh, is... Oh, yeah.
1: Because prior to this, in the beginning of the episode, she basically has decided
2: that she's dead. Yeah, she puts her name on the little, like, list that they're going to be reading mm-hmm. out at the ceremony.
1: Yeah, so she's pretty stoked, um, but she, you know, this is where we hear from Strigobor that he's like, no, no, no. Like, she's back, but she's clearly a spy.
2: What's interesting is, and something that kind of frustrates me, it's one of the the frustrating parts of pop culture in general for me is the oh, I have something to tell you, but due to circumstances, I'll never end up actually telling you. Like It's clear Yedder oh, yeah, wants yeah. to tell Tissaia that she no longer has her magic, but Tissaia says, no, 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 I have something to say first. Yeah. And um, she... so, I'm, so I'm glad that later she says that she knows she doesn't have her magic, because yeah. I would I would hate for it to be an, a whole episode storyline. Um, yeah, where they think she has
1: her magic, she but she doesn't. She's trying
2: to say it. Uh, but basically, Tissaia interrupts her to say, listen, really appreciate what you did at Sodden, gonna have to say that vilgafortz takes credit for it. yeah
1: exactly because they don't want her to be in a position where um you know that they could use that against them
2: and not only that but to say and vilgafortz are now jockeying to sort of yes, i think they need the take the yeah, win Yeah, overtake Stregabor and artorius to sort of lead the brotherhood yeah, as so it they need
1: that little like boon of we we did this we saved the continent um Jennifer did, but uh, we did it. (laughs) Exactly.
2: So let's go to Sintra here. Zintria, as it probably Mm -hmm. is called, due to the 4,000 elven refugees that live (laughs) here now.
1: And we sort of, like, come upon Fringilla and the general of the Nilfgaardian army, basically.
2: Yeah, because this is an interesting position for Fringilla, right? We talked about this last episode about how this gives her an opportunity to find power where someone like Kahir might have overshadowed her previously, Mm -hmm. and now she is someone who... You know, is is she's running the show? Yeah, she's being consorted with. She's sitting down to broker an alliance with Francesca. I mean, there are several worried parties on all accounts. Philivandril has this conversation with Francesca yeah. where he's like, "It's great that elves are coming in." Uh the other elves are not very happy with this, though. Yeah,
1: and like he also, this is when we we find out that Francesca is pregnant as well. So we get, or at this... least
2: she's like really showing at this point.
1: No, but I think she in the conversation with Philivandril she mentions it.
2: Well, yeah, I think she puts his hand on her belly. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, we are then to understand that she's pregnant. But either way, I think also we're understanding that they're a couple.
2: It's interesting because Francesca to Phil Evandrel says, oh, Ithalene came to me and told me this, which made me believe, okay, does she actually believe No, it? but then later, Fringilla, yeah, yeah. Fringilla, she's like, oh, I saw a specter of this, so I don't know, is it just her trying to project something to Phil Evangel yes. to make it seem like she didn't make this decision by because, brokering a deal with a, a demon?
1: Yeah, because during her conversation with Fringilla, she's, Fringilla says, um, you know, after the Deathless Mother, like, she yeah. name drops Deathless Mother, so, like, she... Basically, both of them know who it is that they made a deal with. They're not like blind to that anymore. So that's interesting.
2: Back at Karamorin, Lambert and Cohen continue to heckle Siri with yeah. the straw figure. And she says, What do you want me to do? Yeah. And they basically say, Well, listen, if you want to be a witcher you're going to have to do our American Ninja Witcher obstacle yes, course. Yes, exactly.
1: So they bring her to this big wooden structure that, you know, starts – they set it up so it's, like, moving and there are parts spinning. And it's basically, yeah, it's American Ninja Warrior. Yeah,
2: or, or something out of Wipeout because that's yeah. what Siri does many, many times. Yeah, so
1: she gets up there thinking this shouldn't be a problem and it immediately falls down. And they're just like, yeah, I give up, princess. And she now – it's, again, again, again. Shoots, it's very know.
2: much to me Mulan. Yes, <laughs> uh, when they shoot the arrow on top of the pole. Yeah, it's a
1: montage. It's a training montage. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, but it's fun. We'll get we'll get into it a little bit later. Let's go to my God, this absolutely stunning cave. Yes, again, I'll say the the vistas that they're able to use in The Witcher season two. Maybe they had to do more outdoor shoots because of the pandemic. Probably. But, my God, it's so beautiful, and I would imagine appropriately so because it does seem like. This is part of some sort of like. Ritual. Yes. Ceremony of how they lay their dead to rest.
1: Yeah. So they don't bury their dead. They put them in a cave. And they let the wolves come for them.
2: And they let the wolves have a little snacky. Now, we talked about how Kaer right, it is, you know, the wolves. There's the Mm -hmm. wolf medallions. I wonder if there are other animal-affiliated sects of witchers. Do they have the other appropriate animals, you know, like... Kill, eat, their dead? No, I think this is like... If there's a ferret, you know, sect of witchers, do they have ferrets devour them? No,
1: not all religions are created equal. You know, it's like people believe in, you know, reincarnation. And then they, you know, people bury their dead. People cremate their dead. You know, I think that this is just their version of a ritualistic burial I just want... Vikings put them on a boat and send yeah. them out I just really
2: know. want the snail witchers to, to go through their some ceremony okay. and see what that's All like right.
1: LOL, LOL
2: LOL thank you <laughs> so Vesemir is doing the opposite of LOLing yeah. he is sobbing yeah. over Eskel
1: well, and this is also a point to make. Geralt is a little preoccupied with Vesemir and Eskel stuff mm-hmm. that he doesn't notice necessarily what's going on with Ciri. So there's like a big gap of time where he's dealing with Vesemir that Lambert and Cohen are like letting Ciri like beat herself up on a training course.
2: Yeah. Speaking of Eskel, I'll read a bit of a feedback from Riley, who I know was he's a big book and video game mm-hmm. person and was one of the people most, uh, I would say, irate I write. At, <laughs> yeah, at the Eskel uh, portrayal last week. He says, I'm enjoying the Eskel flat. Flashbacks. it is making me more okay with his death they're giving his death meaning he also says that he loved the uh the Geralt and Vesemir scenes and that funeral scene was visually gorgeous and yeah I would agree with that I think that yeah we talked about that before yeah, like actually getting to know the person I think gives more reverence to you know the person himself and even if you know it's like going to a funeral for someone that you don't know terribly well yeah r- seeing people react to that person dying can often be at, at least comparably powerful to like knowing the person yourself.
1: Yeah, totally. I agree.
2: So this is an interesting conversation that, you know, Geralt and Vesemir just sort of sit down here. You know, I think Geralt has Nivellen's words from episode one, Living Rent-Free, in his head, right? About <laughs> how the continent is yeah. constantly changing under their feet. Because uh, now he's starting to realize that that is more true than he initially thought.
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that later in the series. But Vessember even says, like, maybe there'll be another conjunction and everything will change again. Yeah, and Carol
2: just gives a look like, rut row. Yeah, he's like, please no. <laughs> so, yeah, the wolves arrive and it seems like they're they're just going to leave them to eat that. I mean, do you think the wolves are going to be satisfied by this particular one? Because it nah, is I mean,
1: there's There's goop under there, remember?
2: I guess there is some meat <laughs> to be had.
1: Yeah, I just got peel away the bark. They yeah, can it's do that.
2: Like, it's just having. I guess they're going vegetarian for this one. Meal. Yes, exactly. So Jennifer is at. I don't know. The Aratusa hot tub. No, this is by? that.
1: This is the the springs underneath Aratusa. So
2: this is the eel water. Yeah,
1: I think that this is the magic water of Aratusa. It's not necessarily that big ceremonial pit that we see where
2: those failing students get turned into but i think there's
1: probably little like springs throughout the basement of (laughs) erotusa that's what i like to think
2: (laughs) so yennefer is going to attempt to you know start the up. but this is
1: one thing i love about yennefer is that she's trying to get her magic out of the conduit she's that's Mm -hmm. what she's doing oh that's
2: i didn't even realize that that's a very good point yeah she's
1: not trying to heat it up here she's just trying to like pull magic using the conduit so that she'll get her magic bat. So she's speaking elder, speaking elder. And then she just yells, fuck. And I just love that. Cause it's like very much like what, you know, I would do if I were, you know, it's like, it's yeah. not your typical fantasy person's reaction to, being frustrated
2: i mean it's also not that different from series reaction in the beginning of the episode right of just trying something again and again yeah and but being... she doesn't
1: yell fuck which i love well that's because <laughs>
2: Geralt's there and she doesn't yeah, want to upset dad get dad. time out get grounded uh, from doing that so here comes a whole coterie of of mages including Triss, mm-hmm. uh sabrina i don't know who the th- i forget who the third one other was. one And other one well because sabrina the reason i remember sabrina is because she is a mage and sabrina the teenage witch
1: yeah no but sabrina also was in the in the battle of sodden the one who was taken over by the worms right
2: there they snuck in these odd little like bright glow worms that essentially brainwashed people to become suicide bombers yeah essentially, like within the walls of will. sodden
1: yeah, so she, I like the interaction between her and Yennefer, though, because basically, like, she's like, oh, well, you made it. Like, she's like, oh, delightful to see you, too. And then they hug. They're, like, playing, like, at being enemies. Because I do think while they were at school, like, they, Sabrina was a bit of a mean
2: girl. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Triss mm-hmm. on that note. Because, so I'm trying to remember, we knew that, obviously, in the beginning of the yeah. series, Triss was worse for her. But I'm trying to remember what happened to her she was,
1: she was just in the battle, but she was on, she was like lit on fire basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has burns all over but her, but
2: not by Yennefer's fire magic. No, yeah, so she just had a lot of issues. And it seems like she is still a little shaken, right? right? Uh, she doesn't want to go into well, cause the pool because remember,
1: she's making that root thing in the gate and mm-hmm. then they light it all on fire. That's
2: what it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's this, re- she doesn't
1: want to go in the pool because she's embarrassed about her scars. That's what you think it is. Yeah, they say that. She's like I'm not ready to show my scars. Oh,
2: interesting. I thought it was more so like from a from more of a psychological perspective. Yeah,
1: it is, but she doesn't want to that's because she doesn't want to
2: Right, I guess more so of this idea of like I'm not I'm still a little traumatized by what happened and I'm not ready to flick yet, you know. A little bit
1: of both, but I do think it has a lot to do with her scars. That's why for the rest of this season she's wearing these outfits that are mostly buttoned up to her neck. Mhm. Cuz she's just a little like she doesn't want to see it.
2: So this is when Stregobor, speaking of fire, he uses fire to tell a speech to, like, his little lackeys, Yeah, right? He talks about Falca, uh, who was essentially this, like, quarter-elf girl mm-hmm. who uh, whose mother died at the hands of a king, so as a result, she slaughtered not only kings, but peasants and commoners mm-hmm. and everything and incited this big rebellion and Istrid walks in basically being like political fact check and being like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna check your sources." yeah that's like that that's one. not
1: exactly what happened my dude but um i do think that he's one of those people that um Istred is anything that's not the truth like he doesn't think is appropriate um but yeah, I think that this is a pretty cool story to hear.
2: And it's interesting because Isra is going to just say he tries to give what he believes is his objective perspective, right? That Falca was just an innocent girl who was trying to rightly recover her throne. Now, listen, I'm not defending Stregobor because this guy is the worst. But no, but it's
1: someb- it's probably somewhere in between.
2: Because Stregobor was there. Yeah. And he basically says, you know, history has a way of repeating itself and he makes a reveal that apparently he has Falca no hands. burned his hands off. That well, Stregobor has no hands. Here's
1: the thing about Strigobor, though. He murdered a bunch of babies because they were born mm-hmm. under the blood moon or the, uh, an eclipse. So it's yeah. like, I think he's comparing Yennefer to Falca, and that's a reason he's trying to instill fear, but according to istrid she's just somebody who like was rebelling because her father passed her in succession and that she wanted the throne and so like i think it's probably somewhere in between i'm sure she was ruthless and i'm sure things got out of hand but also you know she had a reason to be doing it i mean she was probably some depending upon who you hear from was she um a hero or was she a ruthless killer who Mm -hmm. knows
2: yeah, so But
1: it's how he's saying it to
2: make to prove his point. Of course. It's all politics. That's what the Brotherhood really, I think, helps mm-hmm. bring up in a lot of political situations, which I will admit was one of my least favorite parts of the first season. Uh just yeah. because it's like, oh, there's magic and there's this fun stuff going on with monsters and witchers. I don't know if I needed yet another medieval show that deals with the inner politics. It's yeah. it's more interesting this time, like you said, I think there were certainly some modern day connections with taking a story and either you know, taking the main character and spinning it as them either being a hero or a villain. Yeah. This also does beg the question, though, listen, Stregobor is a very good wizard. Do you think he actually got his hands burned off, or is, is he thinking? I truly have no idea. That's And that's the thing, is <laughs> I... Do you, I would imagine it isn't within his wheelhouse to fake this gruesome Yeah, yeah, injury. yeah.
1: Well, he's faking having hands, so which one is it? Who knows?
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, it could be that he faked not having hands to sort of prove a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who are you going to believe? My student or me who has no hands?
1: <laughs> hard to say. Hard to say. Um, but yeah, I don't—nobody I. Don't, I that, nobody likes him.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so at this point, you know, like you said, Yen is going mm-hmm. to apologize to Triss— Uh, Basically saying, it's my fault that you got burned, but Triss basically says listen we all had a part to play and if i I, if i died if only one of us gets to win i'm glad it's you
1: yeah and she was just like i she almost sounds like she would have rather died than made it with like this psychological and physical scarring like she's just like you know i was ready to die
2: well that being said though when yen offers to heal her scars she says says no what's lost is lost i have to find a new way forward and it's that's being for yen in many ways Mm -hmm. first she was the person who during that aforementioned plastic surgery scene Said the one thing that the two things that she wanted to keep were her eyes and the scars on her wrist when she attempted to kill herself upon arriving to Aratuza. Uh, So I think there is a bit of resonance there between the two characters as to despite a scar being an imperfection like
1: it's almost an imprint of a memory exactly, too which yeah.
2: helps mold you and, and it's, a, change it's a reminder you. of where you came from well and it's like
1: you think about like being bullied as a kid it's like you would love not to have those things happen to you but at the same time they molded you into a better person who's more feeling who's more you know understanding of people's faults and all that sort of stuff so i do think it's very similar but
2: yeah and also it deals with obviously her current predicament as well mm-hmm. right of no use trying to get back what you lost in the form of your magic. You just have to find a new way forward, and she will in a big way at the end of this episode. Ah, uh, yeah. So Siri, after several attempts, makes it past the first leg. Yeah, the of first the obstacle leg. Court. She makes it to the much more dangerous, in my opinion, second leg of spinny the, spikes, the spinny wooden spikes. Yeah,
1: which I guess you're supposed to just kind of like get through. But uh, the idea is not that they're gonna impale you it's just gonna they're not gonna knock you over again so yeah. nothing on this course is actually gonna kill you but it's very dangerous and, and
2: Siri does get gashed on the shoulder the first time she, she does, does get
1: gashed because as she got hit another spike hits her and like scrapes her basically um but she falls down and and is kind of like they're like okay well we're done clearly you need to give up princess you know yeah. and they kind of like again are sort of teasing her so about pick up. Go home, you through mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly that,
2: <laughs> so w- let's talk about this Frangilla Francesca scene. we mentioned it previously, but really interesting friendship, yeah, so they, between these two they
1: both are agreeing to be partners because I think that and then neither of them are saying neither of us have ever felt that relationship with someone else, so yeah. Francesca's like, you know, I've had leaders i've I've followed I've led I've you know been I've been a, a like a um I don't know, like a tyrant or whatever, but mm-hmm. I've never had a partner. And she and Franjilla's like, yeah, me neither. Let's see how it goes.
2: Yeah, well, to that point, I think it also helps that they find themselves in similar positions of women who yeah. now find themselves in power after having worked under men that they are not necessarily believing in the most. You know, yeah. with, with Franjilla, it was here with Francesca, it was obviously Phil Evandrel. And to that point, let me bring in some feedback from uh, Stefan Johnson, who says, you know, the author, I believe, has daughters. One mm-hmm. of the best parts of the novels is how he shows the different strengths of women and makes yeah. it feel natural, not forced. On the surface, the showrunner of a Slash and Hack video game series would be a man, but having Lorchman Hissrich come in has been great. In the wrong hands, these characters could feel cartoony and underdeveloped, but in just three episodes, she successfully turns a princess into Arya Stark. So obviously mm. that speaks yeah. more so towards the series side of things. But I think it translates here as well, that I think there's a lot of power to be held in a lot of the female characters in the various positions. Oh, truly. I uh, mean,
1: you just have to talk about Yennefer's clothing to know that
2: she is... Or Yennefer's body. <laughs> Shut up. I think up. I made that joke last you, week, you too. You did.
1: But yeah, so I think that like, even from the beginning, her outfit that she is wearing when she enters after her transformation is a high-collared mm. black dress like she's not wearing a slutty jessica rabbit yep. like cleavage yep. boob situation i mean she wears that here but even when she wears it here she never has <laughs> but makeup she's at on home. she never has makeup on she always has her hair like very plain and it's all about her natural beauty which i think represents like a strength that is beyond physical appearance that, and that's really interesting it's an compared, inner strength that comes out
2: and that's really interesting again compared to what i talked about at the beginning of this podcast i feel like her season one look was very much made up right it was very much like yeah to
1: an extent but i'm saying that even her season 1 look it wasn't a sexualized look it was a powerful look
2: mm-hmm.
3: so
1: i think that, that that goes to the showrunners benefit of saying like okay women can be both beautiful inside that pushes out not exterior beauty yeah and, here,
2: and like here Frangilla is wearing that sort of white high collar as well yeah uh and here she is also beating the drum of the white flame right she says like, <laughs> yeah guard, we're not imperialists we're trying to house to feed to." Liberate. i still don't believe that
1: she is that naive it, yeah that she is that believing in the white flame like i mean i think she feels grateful that Amir gave her the ability to use her chaos in a way that wasn't done at Aratuza but I do not believe that she I think she's using the white flame as a way to gain power. Like I mm. I just can't believe that she actually like she's too smart for that. Yeah, you don't think that she would be like a yeah, like a cult, yeah, think, like think, a cult I, leader. That's the thing is
2: I think we're missing something. Like I feel like we barely got to know Fringilla mm-hmm. in season 1 especially at Aratuza and so either the white flame is just real good at what he does or just think there's, a little bit of both. There's some part of her personality that feels like there was a need or a hole that had to be filled by him.
1: Maybe, because I do think that she was... I mean, she talks about it, I think, not in this episode, but, you know, in previous episodes in season one, where she says, he let me use power that I didn't have, that I wasn't capable of using because of what Aretuza taught me was right. You know, she says that that's why she followed him. Mm-hmm. So she also says that she was put... When she's tied to the thing with Yennefer, mm-hmm. she's like... I was put into oh, this yeah, the,
2: the, the the playhouse.
1: Yeah, I was put into the playhouse. I was also put into this position in Nilfgaard that I had. It was just her. Like you imagine, mm-hmm. like if Yen, like imagine what Yennefer would have done if that was her. Yennefer yeah. had kind of an easy road at Aiden. You know, like she was like uh, just kind of dealing with court politics. Rangela had like a usurper. She had like this whole like shit show at Nilfgaard to deal yeah. with.
2: So let's talk about. Jennifer and the Menifer, mm-hmm. as it were, because is basically just going to have, like, a run-through of a bunch of different guys uh, while she is just c- kind of ra- roaming around the basement of Arutuza. Uh First up is Vilgefortz, <laughs> yes. who basically is like, yeah, I'm sorry, I take credit for all your good work. And she's yeah. like, are you? <laughs> yeah, and what she bluntly replies like, oh, politics require a certain type of person. Very much feels familiar to me, Angela, of, like, a lot of modern politics discourse, yeah. right, about, like oh, who has the most appealing sort of demographic Mm -hmm. to certain parts of the populace. This very much feels like that. Yeah, and we did
1: actually watch a deleted scene with with Vilgefortz and Stregobor. And I don't know when this comes in the episode, but it does feel like around this time. So
2: let's talk about that because, yeah, there is— so the YouTube channel, like it's just called, like, Witcher Netflix, has Mm -hmm. released a bunch of stuff. Uh, There's sort of, like, an an hour-long after show that was done with Felicia Day, and there are a couple of deleted scenes— and one, I have to imagine, occurs in this episode. Like you mentioned, it's between Stregobor and Vilgefortz. I would imagine so because Stregobor is basically talking to Vilgefortz about his attempt yes. to take over the council. Yeah. And we find out, I am I do not know why this scene was not in the episode proper. Because it
1: really does, like, help us know who Vilgefortz is.
2: Yeah, Stregobor basically runs down Vilgefortz's history, that he yeah. was a bastard who essentially was like raised in the sewer. And I think
1: this is super important because he's going to play a major role in season three. And I'm not going to like tell too much about that. But mm-hmm. like he's a main character, you know, and he's only becoming more main character with this takeover of the Brotherhood and like his alliance with Tissaia and all of that sort of stuff. So even by the end of this season, you know, it's weird that they didn't include this. Yeah.
2: I mean, if we're going back to the, the politics comparison, this seems like a guy who came from like a super poor background, like, homeschooled himself, right? He learned magic through druids. Yeah. And so... And then they found him. Yes, yeah, so they talk about pulling yourself up by his bootstraps. And Stregobor basically teases Vilgefortz by saying, well, listen, I don't think you can re- lead the brotherhood. You don't respect the rules. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and, of course, the conversation gets back to Yennefer. Stregobor says, I don't fear her fire magic. I fear her anger, her tempestuousness. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know something about that, don't you? Yeah. Which, again, we didn't really... See, I mean, he was doing some weird stuff at the end of season one, right? And even in the opening of season two, he was, like, just killing a bunch of people without any sort of remorse. Yeah, so. I think that,
1: you know, there's there's more to be said for Vildiforts, for sure. So I'm glad this was something that they shared.
2: Yeah, so I, I really encourage people to check it out. We did, like, a loose summary of what it is, but I think it really does shade in a character who, despite being part of the main cast, is maybe someone I know the least at this point. Yeah. So now let's go to Kahir. <laughs> <laughs> Bearded, gross Kahir. Bearded, gross, like, just creepy Well, Kahir. because
1: she's been playing with his brain for a month. So suppose, he's oh, a little, yeah. like, tweaked out, I think. I think it's going to take some healing for him to, like, get back to being Kahir. But I, think... I guess
2: the, the thing about this version of Kahir to me is that the dude has always been kind of creepy. Like, yes. I remember his monologue after he fights the, the Mimic, right, in season yeah. one about, the how the, yeah, about how the white flame will, will cleanse and purify all what well, he seemed kind of manic. Now, he
1: is in the cult (laughs) like
2: (laughs) no he is like he is a man he is a believer he's like feeling the walls trying to be casual uh you know trying to to toy with Yennefer here saying you know uh oh what what purpose does my death serve and Yennefer replies none whatsoever and Kahir like throws himself across the the door well no she doesn't
1: say none whatsoever she says they're not going to kill you without a purpose so she says you're going to be here until they have a reason to kill you and that's sort of hinting at what's going to happen at the end of the episode. But yeah, um, yeah then he like throws himself up against I mean, and the he's, door.
2: And he's trying to do like, I don't know, some sort of weird Joker parody. Yeah, in my like opinion, some of, sort like, of like lizard oh, tongue vibe. Fringilla, she told me about you. She used yeah. to envy you. Yeah, such weird
1: vibes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing really comes of this conversation other than to hint at what's going to happen later.
2: Right, this idea that they're act- these two are actually going to see each other.
1: Well, yeah, and that his death is going to be used for something.
2: So now Yen's going to run into Stregobor, uh, and he's like, oh, young woman, what are you doing out at this hour? <laughs> and he just puts a casual hand on her shoulder. And, and- she goes down. <laughs> yep, and essentially... So is this like some sort of weird mind palace thing that he so. sends her to that she like he essentially mentally tortures her?
1: I think he just knocks her out and then he brings her to the same place he had Kahir and then he does the thing where he's torturing her. Yeah,
2: but that so, but I don't think he physically brought her. No, anywhere. I think he did. I don't think so because I think when Taseya blasts him back, they're standing in the exact same place they were beforehand.
1: But she's still tied to the thing. No. Okay, well, whatever. She Either was, way, she's mind-tortured. Yeah,
2: so, but the reason why I asked is because it's, it's this weird Inception thing where he takes her inside, like, his mind, it seems, and then he does the mind read, which also goes further into it. So he's sort of putting a, a hat on a hat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's
1: basically trying to find out where she's been and what she's been doing. Yeah,
2: because he's very suspicious of her essentially being a Nilfgaard spy, basically saying it's it was too easy for you to be gone for a month Uh, You know, hanging out with Nilfgaard, hanging out with the elves, and then came back completely unscathed. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, I don't even know if he actually believes that, but he's hoping that he can find something to prove that he's right. So whether it's like a talk with Frangela or something, he can prove that he's, you know, like he's correct and, and Yennefer's not on their side
2: yeah and but, but he, it, it, he is able to see glimpses of what she experienced with in, the deathless in, in, mother yeah, yeah. in episode two which i find interesting oh well, uh, yeah because he got inside her mind but to say is able to say not my daughter you bitch and yeah, uh totally. basically blast stregobor back uh able yeah, to and this
1: was a dumb move for stregobor because this is the hero of sodden like the well the kings might not know that the northern kings because they're going to present it as as vilgeforts in the council like People know she did this fire magic. Like,
2: she was a hero. And that's the thing is that it's going to come. Well, we'll talk about the next Brotherhood scene in a little bit, right? Where they're just like, look at what he did. Yeah, you're like, you idiot. Like, (laughs) you did this clearly out in the open, not even secretly. You clearly were trying to get something out. Yeah. So. We Vesemir and Geralt go back, come back to Caremorin after their their little mm-hmm. funeral. They see that Ciri isn't there. Well,
1: no, yeah, and Cohen's like, uh, Geralt, you gotta come see this.
2: Yeah, exactly. Also, there's a fun moment here though, right, where it's this moment that I know you and I have both had with our parents mm-hmm. raising Asher, right of like, Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. They're like, Well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, really. Where Geralt <laughs> says, Oh, you know, Siri's a quick study, but she's impatient, and Vesemir says, Where have I heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Cohen's gonna take him to go see her do American Ninja Witcher. And she has a good sequence. She has a good run. I would say she's able to make it past the spikes. She jumps on. She makes like this epic jump onto this big swinging platform. But at the very end, just face plants. Yeah, she just like bounces off the platform. I think she just like yeah, she
1: just doesn't like land it properly, and so she falls off the platform. So she doesn't make it down the last like three feet. And Geralt walks up to her, and he was like, "So close." And we're (laughs) like,
3: "No, but she was there." (laughs) I I think
1: it's a very it's a quippy thing. It's so funny because he's just like he's being you know, he's being Geralt about it. He's just like, nah,
3: Yeah. Nah. Back in our two. This reminds, actually,
1: this reminds me of a, a little anecdote oh, of please. my, uh, of my childhood. My mm-hmm. mom said, in New York state, you have to take these exams called the regents exams. And there are these, that,
2: that sounds like something out of the Witcher, like the regents exams. <laughs> they were
1: so stupid. It was just like every year you had regents exams and they were basically New York state education qualifying things. Mm-hmm. And so half the year you spent just learning Things for the Regents exam, but my mom always said if I got a hundred on any Regents exam, she'd give me a hundred dollars. And my U.S. history Regents exam, I got a ninety-nine on. Oh no! The only and these are like I got perfect scores on all the essays, and I missed one multiple choice question. Ah, uh, bummer. And she said, "So close." Oh my <laughs> God! You were raised
2: by Gerald. I was. She never gave me that. my mom on mass like Angela, you're so close. Mm. Just Henry Cavill the entire time. Yeah, it was brutal.
1: I was so mad.
2: Wow. I guess that's a lesson. I mean, again... Uh, it's not a
1: lesson because I did really
2: well. Because again, that's more of a Sir Laszlo thing, right? Of anything close to anything that's not perfect is death. Yeah. And
1: to be fair, I don't think she would have given us $100. I just don't think she expected any of us to do that well. So she came up with like a
2: rationale as to <laughs> yeah. why she can. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, Tissaia has it's to not tell- like my parents had $100 to give anyway.
2: So while Stregobor is a bit in the doghouse, Tissaia has to tell Yennefer... Essentially, to make your name clean yeah. with the Brotherhood, you have to kill. Uh, I miswrote Kahira in my notes, and it says Chair. <laughs> you have to kill Chair. You have to kill. You have to kill Mister Chair uh, to prove your her innocence. Essentially.
1: Um, yeah, so it's exactly what she was saying before. They're going to use Kahira as uh, a. representation a piece of
3: furniture
1: (laughs) yes but as a representation of something that his death is going to mean something and it's going to mean that you know she's going to stand up in front of the northern kings as the hero of Yeah, they
2: they say i think she pitches it as the hero kills her enemy exactly
1: and it's going to show their strength and their position and it's going to be great
2: yeah and but yen versus I'm, you know, damned she's if like, I do, damned if I don't. Yeah, she's, I... this
1: is going to give Stregabor even more ammunition. Yeah, like <laughs> say,
2: oh, look at her. She killed him with no remorse. <laughs> yeah. Clearly she's a spy. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I think that they're, you know, it's, you don't win in this scenario. So essentially
2: she's saying, oh, you're, you want me to kill a man in cold blood for nothing. Yeah. Uh, but Tissaia notifies Yennefer here that she knows that she lost her magic. Yeah. I know you to your core. Your pain is my pain. Yeah,
1: and she's like, "We're all in pain, okay?" To <laughs> that that
2: is no no privilege pain here. Yeah, all right? exactly. Um, but yeah, this is I actually really love this scene, particularly the the Jennifer writing and performance. I think is great because yeah. this is when we get we bring back a bit of, you know, the mood that she had in the very last scene of episode two has sort of gone away by the time mm-hmm. episode three happens she's been a bit more blunted in the month that she's tried to fruitlessly well because i think to her magic yeah she
1: was so angry when she was running through those woods because yeah. it, she
2: thought it would maybe come. it's just when the rain comes it reminds her
1: maybe but i think that she was just expecting her magic to come back at some point and now that a month has passed and it hasn't she's like just kind of bummed out about it yeah i mean she
2: starts to say you know i did everything to get back what i deserve yeah uh, she's begging to say like please tell me how i can save myself to say it says that she can't tell her uh this yet- is when
1: she says what what's lost is lost
2: yeah exactly uh and this is when yennefer says like i'm stumbling through the darkness yeah right now. well i
1: mean a good uh, you know many many decades this is how she's lived with magic and having everything she wants and to say it also says here she's like you had
2: power and it wasn't enough yeah that's the thing i think to say it brings up a really good point she can of, never be satisfied not, it's, <laughs> exactly it's not um I mean, she needs to rewind to get that magic mm-hmm. back it, it's not like you weren't a person before you discovered your magic that essentially Jennifer has always tried to and we saw this route mm-hmm. season one like She is never satisfied. She constantly has a hole that needs to be filled, whether it's becoming magic, whether it's, you know, having a way to get her fertility back, uh, you know, whatever it may be. It always seems like she is she, you know, um, mounts one peak and then she's like, okay, what's the next highest mountain to climb?
1: To be fair, I relate. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of like furniture rearranging I do in her house because like I, he hears around I'm never satisfied with anything in life ever. I just need it to be perfect. And that's uh, that's what you married. Sorry but I think that
2: Jennifer <laughs> also has a really interesting perspective where she says her magic is all she has left. So while I yeah. do agree with Tesseya that, you know, this is just yet another mm-hmm. thing that she's vying for, Jennifer has really predicated an entire persona based on being able to conduct The most powerful one. It's like a superhero losing their powers, right? Like, who am I if I don't have these powers? What can I do? No,
1: it's true. So, So she's depressed. She's bummed out.
2: Meanwhile, uh, Siri's a little bummed out as well. You know, Geralt's like fashioning a a makeshift bandage for her. Mm -hmm. uh, Sort of, I wouldn't say like, well, like
1: she, angrily tying up her arm. Yeah, like, I do not like, say
2: like chastises her for a the, little bit. Or, like, obstacles, but basically says you can do anything doesn't mean you have to. Basically saying, yeah, there's a reason why witchers do what we do is because we're mutants. We have, well, these, yeah, we he says he was like,
1: if if Lambert falls off that course, we just pump him full of like all of these herbs mm-hmm. and we lay him down and he heals. We can't do that with you. You will die. Right, and so <laughs> he
2: tries to sort of use Geralt's face your fears monologue from <laughs> yeah. the first episode back at him, but Geralt says yeah. You can do that, but you have to train first.
1: And she's like, I am training. And this is, again, what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, where she's trying to do that training in, like, a week. And he's like, I probably spent 10 years training, you know, like a lifetime. And it's like, that's how you become a witcher. You don't become a witcher overnight, and it's dangerous for you to try.
2: Yeah. Siri is incredibly special, as we'll get into. It doesn't necessarily mean that she should fast track like, he even says, training.
1: like, that she's, like, she is enough. Like, she's yeah. worth it. And she's...
2: Yeah, she's... he tells her you can do anything. Yes.
1: Yeah, he's a good daddy.
2: We should also note here that Geralt finds that, you know, uh, yeah. despite her wardrobe change, has sort of had sort of coveted that blue Cintrin garment, which she is keeping within the walls.
1: So I can't tell if she's keeping it within the walls or if the leshy... Because what he pulls it out is yeah, like there, a root.
2: Yeah, there were roots around it. So I was confused by that. And I
1: couldn't find any explanation for this other than what Geralt smells, I think, is the leshy. Mm. And so that's how he realizes that the leshy is connected to oh, her. Oh, that's
2: a great call. Yeah, that like maybe the... the that Because there's how he,
1: truly no reason that she would hide that rope. This makes I think so much more grabbed sense. it.
2: Yeah, because the next scene that we see with Geralt and Siri, right, is Geralt telling Ciri okay, let's go out to the forest with this leshy. I think now it makes total sense. He realizes that this yeah. leshy has, sort of, I don't know, an attraction to her and that- All of the monsters do. Yeah, and so that is like, I wouldn't say that she's used as bait, but that she certainly has to be involved to find this monster. Well,
1: he even says like, tell me what you feel when you when you have your visions because he's starting to realize that like she's seeing- the monster she's seeing something mm-hmm. so i think that he is somebody who is putting two and two together a little bit but not necessarily we'll find out later in the season like how it actually ties together but right now he knows leshy grabbed blanket blanket series go find siri siri find leshy do you think that's that's
2: carol's exact <laughs> yes to the, to the letter yeah
1: and so they he goes into the main room and he starts she's like i'm gonna keep training i'm gonna but and he's like No, no no i'm not we're past that um i need you to tell me how you how you feel when you have your visit vision and then he says what do you see and she's like i see the woods mm-hmm. and so they go to the woods
2: but that though let's get to just this brief i would imagine you want to skip past this Jennifer istrid scene but we need to bring it up the it's awkward fine. re-encountering of the exes
1: i guess so i mean i don't feel like it's that awkward because i think that it's the same with like Geralt, and it's a little different with Geralt and her because it's less time has passed but i do think that Istred clearly hasn't let go of it, and and Jennifer kind of has.
2: Yeah, uh, where but it's also this weird thing where Istred's like, I still care about you. She's like, you clearly don't. Considering last yeah. time you sold me out, yeah, essentially. So Yennefer's trying to run away, yeah, run away from the the decision she's been given. But Istred finds her. He pulls the Yenna card. She's not happy. That's that's his pet <laughs> name for her. She
1: she he goes Yenna, and she goes it's Jennifer. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Listen, I'm no longer Yenna. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, Istred. It's re- like when
1: people call me Angie. Fucking hate that. Yeah. Don't call me Angie. That's like not me. Not me at all. Not I'm not that person. I'm not an Angie. So Don't you agree?
2: Yeah, oh, I one hundred percent agree. Uh so Istrid reveals here that he lied to the Brotherhood. Basically, that he had indeed gotten some intel from the Nilfgaard followers. Basically, about how isn't Amir the mm-hmm. best? We love the white flame. Ooh, he's so great. Uh and Istred is going to leave tomorrow to go to Sintra. Yes. Actually. He because is- he's
1: been given permission by Fringilla um to go do like historical shit.
2: Yeah, and he's also gonna like help uh, the elves. Help the elves. Yeah. Help the refugees a bit. And Jennifer <laughs> just responds like, Oh well thank you for helping people like me. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um she's one of those people who like she everything that he does she can't see it as selfless because of his one betrayal. So right. like,
2: and, and it's understandable. It's almost frustrating like frustrating at the same time. It's
1: almost like when a celebrity goes to Africa to like help the like the people. <laughs> yeah, real
2: Angelina Jolie vibe from Istrid. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I'm gonna go help those less fortunate than me.
2: Yeah, so Istrid. Even though I do think that he
1: just wants to like be
2: helpful no, and I like think he contribute. Is, I think he is good at heart, and I would also imagine. Again, we don't know too much about Istrid, but I would imagine that his betrayal of Yennefer has maybe lived rent-free in his heads in the decades since it happened. Uh, we
1: also find out, I think, that he, and I don't know if we find out in this episode, so not,
2: I don't know if it's a spoiler, so to speak. But Well, let's, let's leave it for the other section then.
1: But I do think he says it in this that he wasn't allowed in Sintra before, and now mm. he's allowed.
2: Okay, that's interesting. Just because he's...
1: And they've he's, said it previously, too, that Sintra was barred to, you know, like, to the historical stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To digs. And we'll perhaps get into that in the, the spoiler <laughs> Queen section.
1: Queen Calanthe, I think. I yeah. don't know. And we'll,
2: and we'll get into that, I think, in a bit in the spoiler section because there's certainly stuff about that. Uh, it's true, though, at least does tip Yennefer off of, hey, listen, you might not like what I'm telling you, but just a tip off, like, don't leave because uh, all of Strigobor's guys are going to, like, pick you off as soon as you leave. Yeah, they're
1: going to go kill you. Like, that's it. But, that will
2: be confirmation that you are a spy. And Yennefer is hearing a bunch of whispers. Mm-hmm. in her, this is the first time, but it, you, like you said, I would imagine it's happened throughout the month. That she's had yeah. off screen of the deathless mother basically saying like. Oh, I can help you. It sucks you lost this. Just say the word. And she sees
1: her face and these like flashes. Yeah and... this
2: is when the red light shows off. Yeah more
1: red I guess. But it's gross. And the mother is just like deathless mother bitch is, um, is just like I can help you. I believe you. a death
3: bitch as you coined yes. her last week.
1: death bitch. My mistake.
2: Let's go into the woods here and home before dark hopefully. Yeah so this is where series is leading Geralt. Right, sort of like saying, hey, what did you see? Let's try to find this random patch of woods. But in the woods, Geralt is going to tell Ciri something that I'm surprised it took him this long mm-hmm. to mention, which was that he saw his mother exhibit uncontrolled magical power. Her mother. Yeah, her mother, sorry. Uh, when he you know attended that, that double wedding that night in yeah. season one.
1: Yeah, so this is when Yaskir brings him to the Dooney and mm-hmm. Pavetta Wayne. Yep. And so he in that episode ends up seeing his mother, her mother basically destroy the throne room. Right.
2: Because it was that Calanthe was going to kill Dooney. And so she screams much like Siri did. And like big blast echoes that. He says
1: that he hasn't told her because, and, and this is fair. I mean, he wasn't sure if she had that power, so he didn't want to say something and then like regret it because, you know, it, you know, I think that that would have been, she's young. Mm-hmm. She's a kid. I think it's, you can't, there's things you shouldn't say, you know, and then say them later if they are true. Don't get a kid's hopes up. Don't scare them. Don't, you know what I mean? Like, I think that this was the right move.
2: Yeah. But this is yet another instance of uh, <laughs> Siri just knowing nothing about her family, right? We talked yeah, about this in episode very one about uh, the whole wild hunt mm-hmm. thing. Uh We talked about this and now here where she knows nothing about what her mother possesses.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's it's hard because I it's still not necessarily confirmed how young she was when her mother is isn't is taken away. Yeah, um, so it's unclear. But I do think she doesn't remember much about her. So yeah, and it's an interesting and also it seems like Pavetta didn't have any control. So unless she was like. In a life-threatening situation, she probably didn't exhibit that kind of power again.
2: But it's an interesting thing to know because Siri knows of it. In fact, you know, mm-hmm. she talks in those first couple of episodes, right, about how she feels dangerous yeah, uh, because it just is uncontrolled. It just comes out of her. But Geralt's able to confirm to her here, like, you know, this is something in your blood.
1: Yeah, well and also remember Geralt hasn't seen her use it, it, well in the show. He mm-hmm. hasn't seen her use that power very often. It was yeah. her showing us in season 1 more than her sh- he didn't meet her until the end of season 1 and right. then he I think only the only
2: exhibit he's seen of her power so far has been the visions. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I think he it took him time to figure out what was going on there.
2: Speaking of the visions, it leads them to Eskel's Leshy. Looks creepy A. It's so
1: cool. So it's like kind of asleep in the woods. And as it's asleep, it's kind of just looks like a big old creepy tree.
2: Yeah. For uh, you fantasy fans out there slash D&D fans, Jess Sterling said it looked like a cross between a dryad and an mm-hmm. Uh Just this like, this like eyeless face. Yeah. Like turning towards so creepy.
1: Yeah, the way it was done to the CGI is really good. So the Leshy starts to attack.
2: Yes. Siri um, um, gets pulled by a vine, which now fulfills the vision. Yeah,
1: she's pulled like, they get the exact same shot and you know, Geralt lights up his sword mm-hmm. and he basically is trying to kill the Leshy, and then out of nowhere this centipede thing comes,
2: rips the Leshy in half. Yeah, just straight up bodies it, and now it's like, Oh, we've got a bigger problem now. Yes,
1: and he's like, uh, run. Yep. And so she runs and they both run.
2: Yeah, she runs into this beautiful this thing. is very like lord of the rings yeah, um escaping out, the, uh, yeah the, the balrog
1: the yeah no this is like escaping the balrog out of the minds of of myria and Moria, like, yeah they're um they're like on that big mountaintop like crying about gandalf it looks uh, just like that
2: see i was thinking more so that scene of get off the road when they escape oh, yeah, the Ring rates yeah, yeah. and like they're they cow- like when Cedar that's under like under a tree rock. though
1: but this is like um uh yeah i feel like this is like when the birds come yeah and, they're on that mountain. But yeah, it's, I mean, he, um, I think that she did the right thing here and actually listened to Geralt. Yeah. And she's starting to realize, like, oh, I actually don't know what I'm doing.
2: Yeah. There's a moment <laughs> even before the Leshy stuff where she says, I trust you. And he responds, good, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> so now she's starting to realize, okay, he's telling me to do things, not just because he's he telling wants me, to me yeah. still, but because it's for my own safety. And he summarily is also learning in turn, like we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's not just this princess. She is someone. No, I she could, can. She play. can.
1: Yeah, and she can take care of herself. But there's only to a certain extent. I mean, she's not practiced. This is also a monster that he clearly has never seen before. So. Yeah, she's hiding and then all of a sudden the the mirror pod which Mirapod, yeah. we find out is is coming after her mm-hmm. as the less she yeah, cause was. because basically, basically
2: it corners her in the mm-hmm. canyon.
1: Yeah, it corners her in the canyon, but it's not trying to kill her. It's just like looking at her.
2: Yeah, it, it oddly admires her and you might think it might just be like digging into the prey, but it's it's interesting. It's more animalistic than I, it is monster like.
1: I think that these are the this is proof that they're attracted to her, mm-hmm. that she's like she's the one who pulled swiping them. swiping right yeah and this is why the less she like grabbed her thing and like was holding it like in its roots because i think that you know they have this like whether it's it's conscious or not but maybe subconscious idea about um siri being you know like they're just going after her it's almost Mm. like they have her scent
2: yeah exactly but Geralt uses the moment to death from above Mm -hmm. just completely wreck this thing and cut off its head Uh, And there's a fun little exchange here where, you know, less than perfect means dead. Sir Laszlo would be proud.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah. They make a fun team.
2: So that's the last that we see of them this episode. Let's go back to the execution of Chair, mm-hmm. uh, where the, we have Kahir and Jennifer walking side by side. A uh, really interesting exchange where Jennifer reveals, like, yeah. hey, your death has meaning now. It, your death means absolution. Mm-hmm. But she actually means her own absolution, yeah, not his.
1: exactly. And he's just like, I'm not afraid of death, white flame, blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah, well, he, it's interesting, though. He says it is in blindness that we find our true strength. And I do think that ties back to... Yennefer's remarks to about I'm stumbling through the dark yeah right this this I think there's a lot of dual imagery there about not being able to see but from Kahir's perspective that's like you know almost being forged in fire in a way ironically enough of okay that's how we become the strongest version of ourselves true that. So here we are at essentially the memorial service.
1: Yeah, this is really well done. I thought this was really pretty, too, with oh, yeah, all the, the candlelight. And, and, and the, the
2: giant obelisk that apparently all the northern kings, you know, helped pay for. Yeah, because
1: it's like a meeting point for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so they have this, um, the, or, well, now it's going to be a meeting point. But yeah, it's a memorial statue to the Battle of Sodden. Um, and so we
2: get a conversation here, a brief chat between two kings, full Test, who we saw, in and
1: the, Vizimir,
2: which we'll put a pin <laughs> in him because we'll talk more about him in the spoiler section. Yes, uh, but lots of interesting. He's so points. squirrely
1: looking too. I
2: know. Also, is. I
1: think it's wild that they that Vizimir and Vesimir are two characters in the same show. It's going to be very confusing. We'll like, have to be very specific yeah. with our enunciation. And it's
2: like in Game of Thrones. In the books, there were characters named yeah. Asha and Osha, and mm-hmm. they just changed it to Asha and Yara. Yeah. Uh, just like no oh, people will get too confused they did not say that with with the witcher no because i
1: think that it's hard cuz they're you know like they're not necessarily well, Vesemir is, but, like, Visemir is kind of, like, a side character for a yeah. little bit, so...
2: Well, we'll get into... I want to... I'll, I'll, like, put a pin in this conversation about between the two of them, because we'll get to more of that in the spoiler thing. Let's get into, like, the Vilgefortz, you know, speech about... Yeah, he gives against this the big enemy. Blah,
1: blah, 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 blah. Like, we... Are... Uh,
2: well, like, we're gonna cut off Kahir's head mm-hmm. and send it to Sintra. This is what strength looks like.
1: Yeah, they're basically, like, telling the Northern Kings, we have your back against this Nilfgaard-Elven alliance. yeah. Um, and even so, though they kind of like are playing both sides. And just to prove that
2: <laughs> here is alleged spy Yennefer of Vengerberg yeah. with an
3: ax.
1: Yeah, He basically says, here's the hero of Sodden here to, you know, like put the final nail in the coffin, gives her this big ax. She walks up and she, here's uh, the
2: deathless mother again. Here's
1: the deathless mother and decides to not kill Kahir, but cut his chains it and they an, run away together.
2: It's an interesting <laughs> moment where Kahir like turns his head looks yeah. Yennefer in the eye and looks back. What did you make of that? Was like, it no, was, it was his,
1: like, assignation to, like, I'm dying. see, so you think so? You think, yeah, you think he didn't know like she was going like, to do, do that. It, just do it? No, it was like, I don't care if you do it or not. I have come to terms with it. The white flame will avenge me.
2: Yeah, so Jennifer <laughs> chops off the chains. She brings down the pirates. It should be noted that they the mages are not allowed to use magic tomorrow yes. so that's why they couldn't just like whip up some wind to put out the flames. Yeah,
1: and so they it's also a good excuse for Yennefer to just kind of get away without using magic, and nobody would know.
2: Yeah, um, and you you see Tissa gives like a small smile mm-hmm. at Yennefer once right. It's very clear she was not happy with this sort of uh ultimatum that was handed down to Yennefer. Yeah, and she
1: always is happy when Yennefer chooses like to be like a strong-willed person for some reason but yeah so she grabs there, Kahir. There goes my
2: little runaway well so she
1: doesn't even grab Kahir. she gets, gets on a horse. horse and Kahir comes up to her and he's like "Take me with you and she's like all
2: right come on up yeah she goes why save me and she goes don't flatter yourself i'm saving me <laughs> yeah she's
1: like you're just not long so for the ride here
2: we are Odd ass pairing. I love of it. Kahir and Yennefer. We're going to get into more of it next episode, but initial thoughts when you first saw the end of this episode with Yennefer and Kahir running away together? I was
1: into it. I wish he uh, would get a haircut, but I was into it.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's tough because I think they just had such odd. They had a few conversations together, so it's almost like, you know, obviously, again, as she'll say... They're
1: they're not on the same side, but they're also not, like, direct enemies. You know, like, this isn't Ciri and Kahir, This isn't Geralt and Kahir, This isn't anyone who's ever... Like, she didn't really have any interaction with him. You know, so she ends up just kind of like, whatever, get on my horse. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I just want to get out of here.
2: Riley wrote in something saying, Yen's escape was my least favorite part of the episode. It seemed a bit contrived and too easy, So many sorcerer's sorceresses, how did she just escape that? The way the scene was done didn't work for me. However, I am excited by what it sets up of the Yen Kahir story. What did you think of the ending? Overall? I
1: was fine with it, but I think you do have to pay attention to that conversation between Foltest and Vizimir, because,
2: specifically the line that says they're not allowed to do magic. Yeah, he
1: says, "Oh, the mages put a spell on this because you know there there's no magic allowed in this ceremony." Um, so I think that that explains why she's able to get away so easily because it would take time for them to take down the spell and blah blah blah. And she, they clearly were not expecting her to leave either. Yeah,
2: it's just odd that we don't get any shots. Of, like, Them? Any, anyone pursuing. Like, yeah. they, it seems like when we, we see that shot of Tasea smiling, like, everyone's just standing there.
1: I think they're shocked. But I also think that it's not for. I think. I imagine they pursue her a little bit, but they're also not going to. They're. I think of the Brotherhood as very crafty, Mm. not quick on their feet. Mm, You know, like even when they find out that more
2: thinkers, not doers. Yeah.
1: Even when they find out that Nilfgaard is going to attack the north, they are they have a whole council about it before they even go to Sodden. Yeah. You know, like if they had gone right then and there, like maybe they would have had a better chance of getting people out. And like, you know what I mean? So they're more strategic than they are like uh, quick on their feet.
2: All right, so that's going to do it for our spoiler-free recap of Episode 3 of The Witcher. So, once again, we're going to take a break. You'll have an entire length of commercial to hop off this podcast if you have not watched past Episode 3 of Season 2 of The Witcher. Because when we come back, Angela and I are going to have our spoiler goggles on. Uh, We have it slunk around our shoulders like Yennefer's casual wear in Arutuza. We're going to talk about some stuff in this episode, how it applies to future episodes. So again, full spoiler warning for season two ahead. But to give you some extra time before the commercial break, of course, here is our now weekly song encouraging you all to toss a coin to Patreon. When you listen fast
3: to all our podcasts, an impressive feat since our network is vast actually much more behind an online door become a patron and enjoyment will soar so many different perks a discord to lurk get early releases and maybe some merch podcast exclusively like extra and YA. It's but tons of content to fill out your day. Toss a coin to Patreon, support post show recaps, support post show recaps. Oh, toss a coin to Patreon, come join our community.
2: All right, if you have somehow made your way past this break and you still don't want to be spoiled, again, hop out now. Do not be warned. We're like uh, Cohen and Lambert, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if you are not hardened for this, spoilers are going to hit you like spikes. We'll be back next week covering episode four. I'll give you five seconds to jump out. Five, four, three, two, one. Dooney! Not
1: again. that
2: just be my, my signal every time. I guess
1: so, yeah. And then maybe people will be like, wait, what, what?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Finally, some people will catch on. Now, um, obviously, uh, you know, we were, I think, much more broad-based about the spoilers last time since mm-hmm. that was our first spoiler section. So I think this should be more concentrated. But certainly some things dropped in this episode that yeah. ended up paying off down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for Yennefer and Kahir mm-hmm. that sort of situation, you know, the Siri stuff, the monsters, yeah. the, you know, all of that.
2: Yeah, so like you talked about with the whole Mirapod situation, mm-hmm. the fact that it didn't kill her and the fact that the Leshies seemed to be after her garments was clear that because she is the one to yeah sort of to bring the one... them through <laughs> yeah that I don't know if that means she is revered or just like a person of interest in their case
1: I don't even think it's I, I truly don't think it's conscious that they're coming after her like I think that it's like they come through and she's like a beacon almost you know that they just like have to go after her like I don't think these monsters are like there's no strategy yeah <laughs> you know they're not dead, deathless mother players. yes but the mirapod no <laughs> yeah
2: so a couple of other points to hit Let's talk about Triss for a second because Triss I think mm-hmm. really makes her debut in this episode. Yeah. She have a bigger Yeah, or
1: her re- her re-debut.
2: Yeah, they they talk in this episode right at the at the end of the memorial about how Triss was called away. I'm assuming is that when she's called to Kaer Morin, you think? Yeah, I
1: think that well, I think that she decides to go to Kaer Morin. Thought, she I calls thought, herself
2: away. I was I thought Geralt had asked her to come to Kaer Morin.
1: I I don't remember. We'll have to I watch. Guess we'll find out next yeah. week. But. Um, but I do think that this is like, yeah, she's going to care more and whether of her own volition or his, but she wants to like, I don't know, hang out there.
2: Well, what do you think about the mood that she has in this episode? How do you how does in your opinion, how does that inform the decisions that she makes throughout the season, you know, between like. Her trying to help Siri. Between her subsequent like turning away from Siri when they do that whole little the th- mind I think thing. that Triss is
1: somebody who, while she's affected by everything, is still very much able to see it from a macro level. So she's and she's very like third party objective to everything. You know, yeah. she's just like uh, very down to earth. And even when she's talking to Siri later in the episode, she's just like chill about everything, which is interesting. But I do think that she um the cool thing about Triss is that she has a relationship with Gerald previous to their talking and I do think that um that she they're talking in the next episode I think that she's you know comfortable around him so maybe she's going there
2: to heal yeah well something else that's really interesting though is Triss has a conversation with Yennefer in this episode yeah. and I'm trying to remember did she know that the two yeah. of them had been consorting before oh. she goes I don't think she I don't think she knows before they go to Kaer Morin, right
1: mm, I think she does I think it's like a like, Geralt and Triss, and then Geralt and Yennefer. Like, I think it's, like, a like a bit of a love triangle.
2: But it's an interesting scene, then, in retrospect, between the two of them, right? Considering that, like... But it's almost
1: like they don't care, you know? Yeah. They're above it. It so which long, which long ago. Which very much
2: lies in contrast to when Geralt and Istred are going to meet in a couple of episodes, right? And they're going to have yeah. their whole little, like, uh, peeing race, as it well, were.
1: Well, it's different for Geralt. I mean, I think in the case of the sorcerers and the mages, it's all kind of, like, a free-for-all. Like, they're even, <laughs> like, naked in the, oce- the the waters together, like... Yennefer's not opposed to just like having sex with people whenever like I think you know love is different than physical relations for them same as it is for Geralt but I think with Geralt Yennefer is like his true love Mm -hmm. you know like it's much different
2: but that also does beg the question I think we'll get more into it next week about Triss's decision to not tell Geralt that Yennefer is alive
1: yeah but I also don't think that she realizes that he thinks she's dead
2: you think it's just that he was it was a one-time thing and now they're done
1: no, I just don't think that in the episodes coming up that it's brought up that Gerald thinks that Yen is dead. Like, it's kind of danced around. So I don't think Triss had the opportunity to tell him because he never mentioned that he thought she was dead.
2: I I, want, I definitely want to track that because I know that was something that was definitely sticking in my head was this idea of he thinks that she's Who's dead. Who's going to tell Geralt? <laughs> yeah, he thinks she's dead the entire time. Triss just talked with her. Yeah, but... Why I, didn't she tell him? Because she doesn't think that
1: he thinks she's dead. And he doesn't realize that, like...
2: He, that she had talked with her.
1: Yeah, like, how would he know that? And how would she know that he thinks he's, she's dead unless they outright said it and i don't think he outright says it he's not like what he says with with um istrid where he's just like yeah you know he like hears that she's alive like I don't. Tris never brings her up, mm-hmm. and then, and even if she does, it's not in the context of the here and now. And he never brings her up to Tris, so right. there's no like opening for yeah, that. Yeah,
2: Istred is the one who gives who gives up the goat, right? He's the one who said that he talked with Yennefer. Uh, yeah, I so. feel
1: like we're dancing around the same. We're saying the same thing.
2: Yeah, I just find like to be completely candid. I was not a big fan of Tris this season. Uh, really, I liked her. I felt like very connected with her her plight. I mean, maybe it's because she ends up. Oh, yeah. Turning on Siri. Yeah, going to Tasea. That's the other thing, is that season two, I think one of my issues is that it really becomes like the everyone's chasing after Siri. Yeah, it
1: feels like every episode we got a new person chasing after Siri. Which
2: again, like I can understand it from a plot perspective. Yeah. And like, this season really does a good job of highlighting just how special and how important Siri is. It's just a trope of fantasy that I'm not a huge fan yeah. of. It's like, oh, everyone's after the one ring. Everyone's after the mm-hmm. one, the, the girl.
1: I feel like I really like Triss in this season up until that last episode because yeah. I do feel like, like I said before, she's somebody who's coming into a situation that's so like heightened with Um, you're special, you're this, you're that. And she's just like, she's also just a teenager. Like, she's very much understanding that Siri is a young girl. Mm -hmm. Like, she even reminds Geralt that a few times, like, and Vesemir too. She's like, this is a young girl. Like, you can't just, like, treat her like she's some magical object that's going to be your redemption, you know? Like, I think I I like that about her, and I like that she treats Siri like a human being.
2: There's a really interesting exchange between Yennefer and and um, and Tris, of you look different so do you that I don't know it feels very weighty to me considering that again I think the the sort of that love triangle aspect and how they both I don't it, think so I think, I think no, you're I think you're reading no, I don't and... think it's like them staring each other yeah. down I think it's more so this idea that both of them have sort of gone through their own changes and will continue to go through their own changes
1: which has nothing to do with a love triangle
2: no definitely not
1: so why'd you say love triangle
2: because i think it's interesting that they're uh, like yeah that, that they're
1: connected through gerald exactly bit.
2: that's you. what i'm saying that they, they see similarities within each other not
1: everything is about a man
2: okay i i listen i agree i agree speaking of tris let's talk about the man the king that i guess she previously served but she's, still, she's still not in fault fault court is she
1: not really i think that maybe like if she is she's on sabbatical <laughs> like... right
2: because i mean full is going to have this remark in this conversation with visimir right about how oh the people that are closest to us that we thought we could trust are becoming less trustworthy i don't know yeah. if that has something to do with tris
1: yeah well and even visimir says he, he doesn't name drop him here but he says my advisor
2: he does actually name drop him we get a mention of uh, Dijkstra. yeah
1: but he says my advisor and he it's not the same as it is with a mage because Dijkstra is not a sorcerer no he
2: is a spy master uh philippa, yeah, he's, the, he's
1: basically the head of the secret service yeah,
2: philippa is who owl lady essentially is the is the mage and we're not going to see her for most of the season because she's going to be an owl but yeah i thought that was a really interesting setup of Vizimir. yeah can you do a little bit i guess we can we can sort of repeat this again next week when we actually get introduced to the redanians but like What is Redania? What should we know about (laughs) Vizimir, about Dijkstra?
1: You don't need to know too much about this other than like, Redania is another kingdom. Um, and there's also, um, Philippa Er 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 Earhart. I always say Earhart, but it's not Earhart. Um, you know, this is something somebody who is uh, a character as well in the series, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's much to say other than it's another kingdom, you know, that's vying for power.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing is that you you think you know all the northern kingdoms and then another one gets introduced. It's very similar to—I know I keep going back to, to Game of Thrones, but, like, uh, you know, when we're introduced to the main things, to, you know, the stars— Oh, yeah,
1: that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that—I Um, I was saying Philippa, but I, I stopped saying what I was saying. The owl at the end. Yeah, we
2: talked—yeah, owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Philippa. Yeah, that's the mage of, of, of Rodena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you think that Dijkstra is like? I would say I would compare him. I know I keep making Game of Thrones comparisons. He's more so the Varys, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, he's he's, a, a, he's an advisor. He's yeah, like a right hand guy. He's also the spy master. He's the one who gets Dara to sort of be that spy for a brief portion yeah, of time. For exactly. Them. So they're operating differently than the other Northern kingdoms. Like Visimir is there; he's certainly a part of it, but due in part to his interest, I think from what happened he's just a little
1: bit more sneaky (laughs) he really
2: is like he is so aloof it seems not aloof but very like i don't know slimy almost is the game is that yeah he's like
1: he yes i think that he's somebody who um who is very much about getting power but not doing it himself
2: yeah, he's very much like the 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 rest of the Redanian storyline yeah. is Dijkstra going to Vizimir and saying, "Yeah, here's what we're doing." And he's like, "Great, yeah. keep doing what you're doing." And the cool thing Get about theory De-
1: and Deekstra we'll talk more about in the next episode. But like, he's a really interesting character too. Um, you know, in that like he has a really cool backstory of being not your typical spy, a total commoner, and just kind of weaseling his way into power.
2: Interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that next time. Really excited about the—I think they nailed it with the actor in particular. Graham McTavish. Yeah, Graham McTavish. He also
1: is the voice of Vesemir in Nightmare of the Wolf.
2: No, uh, he's the voice of Deglin.
1: Daglin and yes. Vesem- and that's what I meant.
2: Yeah, the, v- Vesemir's uh mentor. I
1: just said the wrong name.
2: Yeah, it's fine. There's oh. a, there's a lot of names going around. I I do think also maybe when Faltest talks about how their most trusted advisors are becoming less and less trustworthy, maybe he's referring to what happened with him uh in season 1 cuz remember what wasn't it like one of his most trusted advisors was the one to put that curse on his daughter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that he's like he's become very um you know, I wouldn't say trusting of, like, he trusted Geralt, and Geralt mm-hmm. was, a, like, a very much a third party. He also had Triss there, and he, I think he trusts Triss, but I don't think that he was somebody who necessarily Triss is such a tongue twister. It is hard to say, but I don't think he was somebody who was, like, you necessarily taking everything she said to heart. Like, you know how fringilla became like the right hand to emir i mm. don't think it was the same really it's not always the same relationship with the mage and the king you yeah, know
2: especially with someone like the king like full test in his episode he kept some pretty large secrets well he was
1: also just like living in seclusion his entire village was being destroyed like he was in a bit of a situation
2: <laughs> yeah, the last thing i want to mention with the spoiler section is it's drops a lot of seeds here in yeah. this episode right starting from the first conversation he has where he says You know, yeah, uh, I haven't been studying Nilfgaard. I've been studying these monoliths. Mm -hmm. They uh, are the key to our past and the key to our future as well. And he is going to be the one to really unlock this revelation that the monoliths are not necessarily just monuments, they are conduits.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we'll find that out later, but I do think it's important that we sort of follow this Istrid storyline because unlike in season one where he comes and then is gone for the entire season, like, in this season, he is here to stay. Yeah. And he becomes a pretty prominent player because he's the one with the knowledge.
2: Yeah, he is sort of becomes... The, he's like the encyclopedia. <laughs> he's, a, he's a detective, essentially, for the yeah. rest of the season. because he
1: goes to... He go, finds out a little bit more about the elder blood, which is something that not... You know, I think that, yes, they find out at Kermora and. But he's the one that connects it all the way back to Ciri.
2: And so that's the thing where you mentioned before that, you know, Mm -hmm. Cintra did not allow people within its walls. I think it's because... Calanthe knew. Yeah, it's because Calanthe has purposely obscured part of her family tree that Mm -hmm. has this elven blood secret. Yeah,
1: so they have a mage in in Moussack. Right. But, you know, he's just... Very high level maging, and they're not allowing digs or historical stuff happening. So he wasn't as a historian. He wasn't allowed in, in Sintra, but it wasn't like they barred
2: mages. No, but but he's gonna be able to. That well, I'm excited to get to that like quirky uh, book couple that we'll get into. You know, love near, them Fen. near the end. Yeah, they were they were a lot of fun. But right, this is when they they find out essentially. Like Istrid is the one to essentially unlock the script as to. Why Yeah, and they the put way... two and two together. Yeah, well, well, they also translate those elven scrolls, right? And they found out they essentially like bred a weapon.
1: Yeah, very fun.
2: Yeah, so we'll we'll get much more into that, but I think it's interesting that we introduce Istred here for a number of reasons. Not only because he's the one to reveal, introduce him, I should yeah, say. Yeah, sorry that that he's the one that Jennifer is alive, but also that like the things he's talking about between the monoliths and heading into Sintra, yeah, it's planting the seeds, are really going to lead to like some of the best reveals in the entire season. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with episode um... three? Actually, let me read something from Stefan. Uh, I want to get your thoughts <laughs> Great. on this one. Uh, because this is something that I think has been echoed a couple times from the discourse that I have read. He says Jennifer's journey this season is a weird one. Despite being one of the three main characters, she plays the role of Peace Mover this season. Mm-hmm. She's part of the story to get the elves with Nilfgaard, free Kahir, free Yaskir. It is not until she helps save Siri that she does much other than helps start other characters' arcs for the season. I suspect her story will change the most from the books, and this season it seems as yeah. if she sacrificed a bit to get minor characters set up for the long game. And honestly, looking at the season in retrospect, I think I like Jennifer's story the best in these three episodes.
1: I do like Jennifer's story in this season in in whole, but it is much different than the than the show because she doesn't lose her powers. Um, at least at this point. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, like, even when in the beginning of this season where she meets Yaskir and she um, burns that guy's face, that whole thing happens. Fire F. But she uses fire magic to do that in the books. Oh, interesting. She doesn't doesn't, blow the
2: alcohol into her. face? Yeah, because she
1: has her powers. Why would she do that? So, you know, I do think that they they adapted it in a good way, and I like her arc. I like that Mm -hmm. she, yes, she's setting up other people, but I like the arc of her... This like pull and push within her own self to deny the deathless mother and then she takes the the deal only to immediately f- regret it.
2: Yeah, I think my thing, actually my biggest like, I don't with it is I think when she, it's just her and Siri, yes. I think there should have been more time dedicated to that. Yeah, um, it
1: did feel a little rushed and yeah, and I, a little contrived when it's like just the two of them, and she, all of a sudden she's like her mommy.
2: Yeah, and all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, wait a minute! Now that I actually know you, I yeah. like you, and I don't want to. Yeah. Sa- I don't want to take you to Sintra, which I, is fine. I, it it would have been just... fine. I just if this was nine episodes, I would have liked to see like one more episode mm-hmm. of that because if we're talking about how." this end and the season ends with really this implication of this found family, right. With the three of them sitting on the ruins of Ker Morin. And, I, I would have liked to see yeah. a bit more of that triangle be connected.
1: And to be honest, that's a lot of the book is like the mommy daddy series of it mm-hmm. all. Like, I do think that that's a relationship that exists for a lot of the story. Um, you know, I think that in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's fine, but yeah, you're, I mean, that's the, the feedback we had about Geralt and Siri in,
3: Oh, yeah.
2: In, in season the, one. In season one, yeah, you know? so a, literally a scene. So hopefully that means that, yeah, to your point, that season three will be more about setting up their relationship. Because I really like the scenes that they had together. And it seems like they did, too. I would have just liked to see more of it. But I'm I'm intrigued to track, now that I know the full yeah. scope of Yennefer's arc, tracking. Because so far, I'm enjoying it. But I do wonder, in these next few episodes, to Stefan's point, when it's more about, like, her helping Kahir, her helping Yaskir, uh, her very much not helping Rince... Like what, (laughs) yeah, you know how much of it is about her and how much of it is more so about like she goes from place to place almost in a Geralt like fashion.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think that it's like um, it's just rushed, but there's not much you can do when it's an
2: eight episode season. So that being said, we are reaching the halfway point next week. We are getting to episode four of season two of The Witcher. Redanian intelligence. So yeah, if you want to know more about Redania, <laughs> we are really finding it well, out Well, I mean, episode.
1: so the other thing to know about Redania is that it is the biggest nation in the on the continent oh, and the richest. That's like and you can tell that from the next episode we're going to see that that he's just like this rich motherfucker who just like does whatever he wants.
2: Yeah, so we're going to spend much more time we're going to meet Dijkstra. Uh, we're going to meet Philippa but not realize it in the form of that owl. Uh, Rat Boy is going to come back into the picture, but I think the big to-do, Angela, is it is finally the return of Yaskier to The Witcher.
3: Burn!
2: Witcher, burn! Yeah, Yaskier has a new song to sing. He has he's a in, new song. He's in a very different place. He has very different hair. Uh, and we get some really fun stuff between him and Yennefer that is just the beginning. They'll do more stuff in, you know, the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But that's a dynamic that I'm really glad we had the time to explore because he is obviously very ticked at her. That they are both sort of embittered by Geralt as well. So it's a really tricky dynamic, but those two actors just have so much fun playing off of each other.
1: Yeah, totally agree.
2: And I think, and the Kahir Yennefer stuff is also fun too, right? Of like, here are two headstrong people trying to work together. Yeah, well, they're
1: just trying to get to their, to, from A to B. They don't really care about what happens in between, you
2: know? Yeah, so we got that. We have Triss going to Karamorin, a bit more stuff about the monoliths. So, Lots of stuff to be had next week and excited mm-hmm. to get into it all with all of you. Again, if you have any feedback, like the various people we've read throughout this podcast, Mike at postshowrecaps.com or you can post it in the Witcher channel on the post show Recaps patron discord if you are at the $10 level. Also, tweet us your thoughts about the podcast and the show at Inge at a Mike Bloom type at postshowrecaps. Of course, Angela and I are also talking about the X Files. We are concluding season eight this week uh, a baby is to be had which baby babies have much better luck on the x-files than they do Oops. on the witcher we'll get into that in a few episodes no thank you yeah it's real unfortunate but uh, it's an exciting finish to a really interesting season of the show so we're doing that of course as i mentioned many times over the course of this podcast lost 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 shut up we're doing more lost uh as well as cover kickstarted coverage of cobra kai euphoria the book of boba fett just started so much stuff going on in post the book of boba fett <laughs> yeah your favorite <laughs> my favorite show title in human history wow so much going on no matter what you're a fan of there probably is a podcast for you on post show recaps including this one hopefully so thank you all so much for listening uh post show slash rate review subscribe etc we're gonna be back next week getting into all things redania and beyond until then take care bye-bye